As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder, coming to you, not live, recorded from Panama City. I am Sam Stasekel, he is Paul Tenorio, and we are speaking to you in the hours after the U.S. men's national team's loss, 1-0 loss at Panama at Estadio Romel Fernandez. Paul, this was not a good showing for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, They had five shots in this game. None of them were on goal. First time that's happened in a World Cup qualifier in 28 tries. That streak goes all the way back to a 2013 match at Azteca against Mexico. Seven changes to the starting lineup that beat Jamaica on Thursday. Um, They didn't take. The performance was bad pretty much almost entirely across the board for this national team. Um, Basically, nothing really went, went right. They didn't allow many chances to Panama. Uh, so defensively, you know, they weren't they weren't awful. The pressing was a little wonky in the first half for sure, um, but they weren't conceding a ton of chances. But other than that, there's not really anything to look at this game and take away and, and feel really good about. Um, but let's talk about it. How, what what's your what's your big picture kind of takeaway from this one, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think there has to be questions about the ideas of rotation for the men's national team, like what is the best strategy? Because rotation has to be a part of what you do in these windows, right? Like it has to be. You're playing three games in seven days. If you don't rotate, you're taking a massive risk of long-term injuries, of um, players um, wearing down over time, of players wearing down in the third game and the performance suffering as a result, especially... When you look at this window, they played in a very hot Austin in the first game. Tonight was brutal in Panama. The humidity was crazy. And so you would be basically saying that we're going to play with no energy in the third game if you're not rotating. But the question began, I think the question you have to ask yourself is how do you consider momentum to be a part of the window? How do you try to weigh um, the number of players, the maximum number of players you rotate? Yeah. How do you manage those minutes better? 
And then I think part of it also comes down to team selection, uh, roster selection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for in my opinion, as an example, um, like I don't think Greg Berhalter could have anticipated necessarily that Kellen Acosta was going to be so bad tonight as he was. Yeah, like he was one of the better players on the field for the U.S. in two finals this summer against. Yeah, Mexico. And, and and to be to be fair, like if you're if we're going to focus on process here, not result, which I think is a good way to take it. No one saw Kellen Acosta in the eleven and was like, "Oh, the idea of Kellen Acosta starting—that's ridiculous." No one was upset about that. Maybe they were upset about Tyler Adams not being in and Kellen Acosta playing the six, and that's a different discussion that we can have. But no one was mad that Kellen Acosta starting, right? And I think even when you look at Sebastian Legette, who a lot of people have problems with him starting in general. People were mad about that one. He was he was very poor in the last window against Canada. And then he was very good when he came in against Honduras. Right? Mm-hmm. So he it's it's not like he's always been poor for the national team. I know some people will all, will argue that. <laughs> um I'm also sorry if we're hearing that noise uh in the background when I'm talking, my Hotel chair is like this close to falling apart, like so close to just like absolutely collapsing while I sit here. That, that would be a really apt metaphor for what we went through at the game tonight 100%. or what the U.S. went through at the game tonight. If I, if I, if I fall, it's, you know, it's not out I of I think exhaustion. Paul would start crying. I think Paul would start crying um, if, he, if his night. chair broke on him. It's been a long night. But, you know, I don't know. I struggle with it because I think you have to rotate in these windows of your the U.S., um, and I and I think there is a level of confidence that comes with the way the U.S. performed in the Gold Cup with a, yeah. with a totally rotated squad and the belief that guys like um, George Bellow and uh, Mark McKenzie and Kellen Acosta and Sebastian Legette and Jossie Zardes um, could get the job done. Tim Weah. Yeah. Tim Weah. Who was great in Austin. And did not have it tonight. No. So where do you put the blame for that? 68 minutes. Where where do you put the blame? (sighs) Man. I mean, is it about blame? I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) So let me answer answer your first question. Where do you put it? I think it's multifaceted. First of all, the players weren't good. They weren't. And like, it's not Greg Berhalter's fault that Kellen Acosta couldn't trap the ball tonight. And Kellen Acosta spoke to media and he was like, I was poor. I was bad tonight. And like, that's on me. Right? It's not his fault that Tim Weah, who was great the other night, and again, who no one had an issue with starting, couldn't find the game at all. He had 17 touches in 68 minutes. The second lowest of any starter behind Zardis. Right? Now, if you want to say, well, maybe Bella shouldn't be on this roster. Right? Maybe they should have called in a different left back. Maybe Serginho Dest should have played left back tonight. And you play Anthony Robinson at left back in Columbus. And you use DeAndre Yedlin and Shaq Moore at right back in the two games. Well, I'll listen to that argument for sure. You know, um, I thought it was strange, Paul, I know you did too, that he subbed on Yedlin for Moore in the second half instead of bringing on Dest for Bello in the second half. We, we thought that was a bit odd. Now, who knows? Maybe Moore was feeling something. We don't know that for certain, right? But who to blame? The players didn't perform. That's first and foremost. Second part, I think, is when you rotate seven, right? That's a lot. Like, that is a lot. 
And I don't know that I would have rotated all of those guys. If I was Berhalter, Pepe, I think for one, I would have started. Um, I was surprised Aaron since, or Areola started, you know, and, and I'm actually fine. Berhalter explained that one. He's like, we've, we basically viewed Aronson and Areola as one player for this match in Panama. Cause they both gave so much on Thursday physically against Jamaica. He's like, we think we thought both of them could go 45 minutes. So we, the plan was to play Paul in the first half and Brendan in the second. And that was always the plan. Um, so I was actually fine with that approach, honestly. Um, but man, I think it just really hammers home a, a few things, but one being how important Tyler Adams is to this team. <laughs> like he is so important to this team and just everything they do, he makes the midfield so different, so different. And you saw it right away when he came in those first 10 minutes of the second half, those were the USMNT's best 10 minutes of the game, really. Then they give up the goal and, and Panama's able to kind of sit and defend a little bit more, pack it in, things change. Um, but that's, I mean, it's a basic take and it's one that has been said ad infinitum. But Tyler Adams, super important to the U.S. men's national team. Who knew? Um, so I don't know. Where's the blame? Some, A lot of it with the players for their performance. Some of it with Ber- Berhalter for, for taking risks that didn't pay off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also worth noting when we talk about the depth of this national team and rotation, I think what got underplayed here in Berhalter's team selection was the fact that four starters were unavailable to him, period. Not They weren't in the country. You know, Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney and Anthony Robinson. And why does that matter? I, I'm going to leave Anthony Robinson out of this equation for now. The U.S. has, I think, in my opinion, four players who are used to the expectation placed upon them that they have a certain level that they don't drop under. And they might not always change the game or impact the game in having goals or assists. They may, um, they may not have their best game every outing. But there is a level of expectation and I think also a level of intimidation, really, that they bring by being there because of their reputations and their clubs um, that, that they play for overseas. And when you take all of those players out of a lineup at once, it has a, a real impact on the team. It has an impact on how teams think of you how they play you, I think it has, I think when you lose that type of energy, and it's not like, I don't think that it's necessarily like a conscious thing. I don't, I don't think it's like a conscious team thing within the team itself even. But I think for me, you needed Tyler Adams on the field in this game because of so much rotation, because of the standard that he brings. Yeah. And if, yeah. if Weston was in the lineup and Tyler wasn't, I think that that it would have been a lesser impact or if one of those four guys. And so when we talk about squad rotation, what I think was missing from this group was a leader who you expect to raise their game. And and Sam, you and I were talking when this lineup came out. I think it was on our live allocation Twitter yeah, room yeah, yeah, yeah. about or maybe it was just us talking. No, we bus. talked about it on the show about the opportunity for some of these guys. It, there were some tests for these players. Can you be the guy? And Can, they, all of them failed. All of them. All failed. of them. Tim Weah, like I felt like Brendan Aronson has shown 
that mm-hmm. when those guys are out, he can be the guy. And he's another guy who wasn't on the, on the field, right? So you, you have all these guys who have proved it, that they can be the guy, that they can carry that responsibility. And none of those players was on the field. Yeah, Weah, Lejet. And so you're testing Acosta. all of these players. Can you Musa. step up and be the guy? This was Musa's first chance to mm-hmm. be the guy. And he's 18 years old. It's a big test for yeah, a kid that young. Yeah, be some ups and downs. It's his yeah. second qualifier. So I'm not saying that you cannot give him that test. But I think that you do it the same way you did with Brendan Aronson, where mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson was doing it with Christian out, but you know there were other players on the field. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, man. Like the best teams in the world at like developing young players, the way they bleed them, they don't throw a team of 10, 18 year olds on the field at the same time, right? They try and maximize the potential for that eighteen year old to have success by putting two of them on the field with nine veterans. And the U.S. doesn't have that luxury. Yeah, but there, this, was, this was, and Greg Peralta pointed out, this was an older team that played tonight than the one that played. It was in it was Austin. older. It was twenty five like, years I would old. Be curi- there, I would be I'll be curious what the qualifying caps looked like. There, but there were players. They, they had a lot of. I mean, there's not a lot of cap qualifying caps on this team in general. Period. But yeah. they had Ariola out there. They had Legette out there. They had Zardes out there. Yeah, but man, you know, you're right. It's it's Adams and McKenney, right? It's like. They're the best players on the team, and there are not. You just and needed one of those guys, and even Aronson yes. at this point. One of those guys yeah. who you kind of know what they're going to bring. And when he brought them on at halftime, why did everyone think that the, the level was going to rise? Because those guys bring yeah. that. And, yeah. and so the rotation, like if you're going to treat – I mean, again, this is hindsight 2020, certainly. But if you're going to no, treat Aronson it, it and Ariola like one player – you you start Aaron maybe play Brendan yeah because because he he brings that or you say okay we only want to play Tyler forty five minutes we'll play him the first half now it, you could give up a goal in the second and everyone would be what are you doing right but no it's fine maybe play one of them the first one of them the second right no it's a, it's a point well taken there like, just had to be a way to to I think there has to be a way to weigh those guys you cannot take. All of that. Yes, you can't take all of them out. out. You can't and take. You were already out. missing three, and so does that put extra stress on Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams to play more minutes than you would like? Yes. Does it mean that they maybe play a lesser role than you would prefer against Costa Rica? That Brendan Aronson has to come mm-hmm. off the bench against Costa Rica? Yes, but at least you know Weston's going to be on the field in that game, and Tyler yeah. will start, and whatever you know, you 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 have sure. that domino effect. But I, I think the issue with the rotation to me wasn't how many players. It came down to which players? Those players, those five, in my opinion, those five yeah. guys. And actually, Miles Robinson, I think, has that mm. to a certain degree. But I think there was Although less the cent- the center there. backs weren't the they, problem. They were today. fine. They, like yeah. in the list of the sh- things that went wrong, like that was low. Yeah. <laughs> Good save. I, I censored myself <laughs> there. But like. Those five guys, you you have to have one, preferably two, on the field at all times. I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's let's dive a little bit further into the actual game itself. One of the things that I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet, but that really stuck out from the beginning almost, was the intensity or lack thereof for the men's national team. And and so if you're going to run out a team of second choice guys. Right. Let's just call it what it is. These are not the normal starters. It's the B team. Well, 
if if nothing else, you expect them to bring the heat, you know, to really bring fire and intensity and fight and work. And they didn't do that. You know, Burhalter, he talked about it after the game against Jamaica. He was like, everything that we did tonight was great. Excuse me, Paul. I might sneeze here. Take it away. I, I think that there is um, a, a base okay, level right now. of expectation. Good. I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> There's a All base right. level of expectation with that group that you bring the one thing that you should be counted on to bring. Yeah. Which is effort and intensity and match their fire. And Burhalter talked about it after Jamaica. I mean, he said he warned them. He warned them in the locker room and he warned them again in the press conference with us. He said, everything about tonight was pretty good. Happy with the performance. Proud of the guys, blah, blah, blah. But the trap is going to be us thinking we're great. The trap is going to be us thinking we already qualified for the World Cup. If we do that, we'll get our ass kicked in Panama. Well, look what happened. They got their ass kicked. And they didn't match the intensity at all. Kellen Acosta talked about it yesterday on Saturday. He was like, we got to match their intensity. We got to. Wea talked about it. Yeah, Panama, we know they're going to come out shooting for us. They knew. So it's not they like the message didn't. was lost. It, no, they knew. They just didn't do it, you know? And, and I don't know why that was. I don't know if that's like a youth thing. I don't know if it's just like, hey, sometimes this happens. I, I don't know. But it's it's a little bit of the immaturity of this group, I think, Paul. And to your point, it was it was in the behind the badge video that U.S. Soccer produced. Um, yeah, crest it, behind the crest, and it went back to when they first arrived in camp. Right, this whole yeah. idea of trying to restructure goal setting for this team after the last window of talking about nine points, it was like a reset of mindset. We're going to go game by game and just win this game. Yeah, the old cliche, the game, right? yeah, the cliche. And and the, but the idea was. You you perform in this first game, and then you have to take all of that intensity and not and bring it up a notch again, get, get up again. And Greg talked about it. Greg Berhalter talked about it in that video. You have to bring it. You have to recover and be ready again mentally. Mm-hmm. He didn't even talk about physicality in that in that speech. Yeah, he said you have to come back mentally, and and that was lacking. And and it's like they were a little hungover. To your point, Sam, like some of these players, that is what they are bringing. Yeah, effort and intensity. I mean, Aronson brings it. Yeah, but right? I mean, like there's Aaron. Aronson also brings goals and assists. There are certain I know, players, but, but who if don't he bring can, that. if he can, if he can bring both, then the minimum has to be the one. That's controllable. Effort's controllable. Intensity's controllable. You know, sometimes you're gonna have an off night with your touch, with your form, all that. But the other stuff you can control. So that's the part that that really stuck out to me. And. And I've been kind of going back and forth about this, and I wrote about it in my story tonight. I kind of ended on it, um, which it, I started and ended on it, which is that in Panama the last few days, I've, I've asked all of our Uber drivers. I've talked to I talked to a, a <laughs> Paul's talking to everybody. I talked to a police officer outside of the a stadium, a journalist, yeah. a couple journalists. I watched the local news channel. They were doing some interviews in the mall here, actually next to where we're staying, and. You know, in where the, we're staying, we're staying in a mall. I don't. It's not entirely. Clear. We're like attached to the mall. We, we are attached. Um, it's a very fancy mall. They the the questions were all what what are the expectations? What what do you think should happen tomorrow or in two days when Panama and the U.S. meet? And the answers were almost universally the same. It was look, Panama. We haven't been playing great. We have we've been kind of bringing in a new squad, not a whole generation of they've they're introducing some younger players, but there are some veterans on this team. But there there is that transition happening right now. 
And their belief was like, we aren't necessarily ready yet. And the U.S. is a very good team. So a draw would be a good result. The number of times I was told a draw would be a good result, a draw would be a good result. We're building. Yes, we want to compete for fourth place. Um, We think we're going to compete for fourth. We think the top three will be uh, Mexico, USA, Canada. Um, But we also are building toward 2026. We think this manager should get another four years no matter what, blah, blah, blah. That was the, the message. And one result tonight, I'll tell you what the message was in the way the crowd was reacting with the final whistle and the way they were singing during the course of the game. We got another shot at the World Cup. The belief was back. It wasn't about, hey, maybe we should start looking to 26 or, hey, maybe we should fight for fourth place. It was like, no, maybe we can do this. And it actually started to happen early in the game. Like that was the no, biggest it, it, issue. That was the thing, Paul. And I want to talk about this and I wrote about this in my piece. The atmosphere before the game was nothing like it was in El Salvador. Nothing. And it wasn't really even anything like it was in Honduras, which wasn't as good as El Salvador before the game. It was pretty subdued. Like these people were hesitant. They were going in with their they were going in with their guard up. They were like, hey, you know, like, yeah, it'd be great if we get a result, but we're kind of expecting to lose. And Panama jumped out and they they were on the front foot from the start. And you saw it. It was in the third minute. I took a note. It was in the third minute. The US gave up a goal kick and they like basically hadn't completed a pass yet. And Walker's in. He turns after the goal kick and he's turning to Matt Turner and he's turning to his teammates and he's, you know, kind of doing the thing where he's he's got his hands and he's like trying to calm everybody down. He's he's tapping his hands towards the ground, pushing him towards the ground. He's trying to calm everyone down. It's the third minute. They haven't gotten a hold of anything. You're thinking, okay, it's early. They'll respond. They never really responded. And by the 10th minute, that place was rocking. And like we, we were both taking videos after the goals. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll tweet them out at some point. It was wild. Once it, once it got there, it was absolutely nuts in the stadium. And, and the U.S. allowed that to happen. That was not something that happened when they were entering the game. That was not a given. You could see, the way, I, the way I wrote it was you could see Panama's confidence going up with each shot or turnover and counterattack that would even lead to like a, a goal kick, you know, like you said, like a, or a corner. Mm-hmm. You could see the confidence and then it, the buzz, it went from the field confidence to you could feel that, that feeling in the stands where when you, a player picks up a ball, there's a buzz, there's a belief that something good is going to happen for your team. Yeah. And then that started to build and crescendo. And then, yeah, and symbiotic. And then the chances started to happen. And then that started to build. And, that's, and that gave it to the, the, the team, right? They were feeding off of each other. And by the end of that game, like I said, the, the attitude, the um, discussion around the, the team and its ability and its hopes and its dreams – <laughs> As one sign said, you know, because the dream yeah. of getting to Russia was back. And I think it's worth remembering how one game and one half changed the discussion about this team in September. So the interesting part of qualification is that in three days, the U.S. will play at home. And if they go out and they stomp Costa Rica at home, the attitude and the discussion Who about this tonight? team... Costa Rica? will be different, right? It'll be different. Yeah, it changes. And, it's a roller coaster. And, and you've got to manage that stuff. And you've got to try to um, understand that that's a part of this. And you have to navigate that. And um, but, it, but it was like, to me, I think the biggest problem was that, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you wrote about it because I thought the biggest mistake the U.S. made 
in not matching the energy and the emotion was that they didn't they allowed it to happen by not matching that energy from the jump. If you had, if they had just played a really solid first 15 minutes, they had, if they had if they had played better in the first 15 minutes, it would have taken a lot longer for that crowd or maybe they wouldn't have at all ever gotten to that yeah. level. And instead sure. they they created by their kind of um it helped it it, were, it helped the team start. and the team fed them and, yeah it yeah. created and this I, atmosphere I where they were feeding off of each other and all of a sudden it was like a crazy environment cauldron yeah, yeah. and it was hot it was hot that was a real thing it was very humid it's very hot but hey these are professional athletes and it was very humid and very hot for panama as yeah, well they, they played in el salvador in a monsoon the other day they lost one nothing they they're coming off short rest too they barely rotated at all Nine of 11 guys st- that started in El Salvador for them started again. This is a team that hasn't rotated very much throughout qualifying. I think they've made a total of four changes in five games. Um, so, you know, it's there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. Paul, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and, and we'll kind of dive more into the nitty-gritty. I do want to talk about kind of some of the tactical things and technical failing failings of the u.s in this game stay with us we'll be right back this episode is supported by fx's welcome to Wrexham. celebrity owners rob McElhenney and ryan reynolds's small town welsh football club has finally been promoted into league two after 15 seasons in the national league dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we are back. Allocation is sort of coming to you from Panama after the U.S. lost 1-0 to Panama in qualifying. First loss in 14 matches. First loss since May. Um, It was not a good performance, but bigger picture. U.S. is still in a strong position in qualifying, tied for second now with Panama, one point ahead of Canada, one point ahead, right, of Canada, and uh, three points, three points behind Mexico? They are three points behind Mexico, they are tied in second with Panama, uh, though they have a goal differential advantage, and they're one point ahead of Canada. There we go. So still, it's, it's not like the world is ending here in terms of qualifying, but there's only 14 of these things. Every single one is important. And, and and the one we saw in Panama on Sunday night was not good by in any way, shape, or form. We've already talked about the rotation. We talked about the intensity. Paul, let's talk about a little what actually happened on the field, right? So the game starts, and, and Panama is kind of all over the U.S. from the beginning. You know, we sit next to each other in the press box at these games, so we get to have our own personal allocation disorder for 90 minutes before we do it with you guys. <laughs> and one, of the, there are a lot of things that were said back and forth between the two of us. Um, the midfield trio of of Kellen Acosta, Sebastian Lejet, and, and Yunus Musa stood out in a bad way very quickly. It was not good. Um, Paul, what did you see from them tonight, or what didn't you see from them tonight? Well, a good touch, um, an yeah. ability to pass, 
I mean, there there was a lot going wrong soccer-wise in the midfield. They were not clean on the ball. They weren't moving fast enough. They weren't... Um, I, I thought they, that their They didn't their get their choices, spacing right. Their choices yeah. of passes, um, their, uh, their turnovers in bad positions, their decisions of when to dribble. I mean, I'm looking back at my notes from the game... And it starts almost immediately. You know, Musa turns it over in the ninth minute that led to a counterattack for Panama. That that was one moment where the crowd started to get into in the 14th minute. Um, there was another great chance for Panama that that led to the ball getting to the uh, across to the far post that very nearly led yeah. to a goal that came through poor midfield play from the U.S. that turned the ball over. So, you know, these were big problems where they couldn't control the midfield they couldn't control the ball there were moments um where i thought they were trying to play through the fullbacks uh very early on before that moves turnover george bello was struggling when they played him the mm-hmm. ball to advance it and to do something with it it, you know, it looked like they lost faith in him they didn't want to pass him the ball after a while it didn't go out there very often um you know starting in probably somewhere around the 20th minute or so um and, and then they they really struggled defensively in their spacing um, mm-hmm. And where they pressed, and Panama kind of created a very simple pattern to break out of the press because the way they were pressing is the wingers were coming to press um, the center backs inside, and the fullback for the U.S. was pushing up on the striker uh, or the winger um, to release to them to kind of try to prevent that pass. And they weren't really pushing up though because the winger was stationed so high. Well, the wingers were level. Was, yeah, the fullback was pushing into that space as soon oh, as sorry, the winger, the Panama fullback, yeah, the Panama mistake. fullback. So as soon as the winger released, the Panama fullback released up up the wing, and then what happened was the right back was stuck in a two v one almost immediately, and the forward would check back into space. The center back would play the ball to the forward, and he would play one fullback. touch over to the fullback. And then they were out of pressure. They were out of pressure. They were in space, and they were two v one. And they're racing. Shaq they're racing two v one with the winger and the fullback yep. against against Shaq Moore most of the time. And, and, you know, and the midfielders were not doing anywhere near a good enough job of supporting that initial pressure and sliding out to the fullback because Moore and Bello couldn't step because if they stepped, they're leaving the winger high, and, and the two center backs are occupied with their own marks. So all four defenders are marking a guy. They're not free. Um, it it's just it wasn't good and and the press wasn't quick enough either from Ariola and Wea it wasn't good enough and Burhalter spoke about that after the game too he was basically like yeah we didn't have the pop he's like we didn't have the intensity we didn't have it in our legs and they changed how they pressed in the second half and things got a lot better in that regard <laughs> they stopped getting exposed on this I mean Paul how many times do you think that happened it felt like it was like ten times in the first half that they just had this simple build out. Yeah, it was happening too often. And 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 there was a point maybe in the 30th minute or so somewhere around there where um they kind of flip-flopped who was where in midfield and they moved Musa to the right side and then Musa was pinched out to try to end that. And it did it helped when he was doing that. That was the adjustment they had to make, but that also is a recognition that has to come from the midfield. It shouldn't be Greg Berhalter yelling like, "Hey, this is happening over and over again. Will you step out as a midfielder instead of standing in space in the middle of the field?" Like that's that's something that needs to be recognized by Kellen Acosta earlier because I, I think it was him that was on that right side earlier, so or or by Yunus Musa, one of the two yeah. has to do it, yeah. and um, I think Legette was over there at points too. Yeah, Legette as well. I mean, all three of those guys they struggled in their um, on the ball ability, and they I thought they struggled in kind of how they were pressing and how they were defending. 
But really, what it was really more what they were doing or not doing on the ball that 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 really hurt the U.S. today. I mean, there were some really poor turnovers, just really poor turnovers, bad decisions to dribble into pressure. Um, times when the ball is coming to the, their feet, and they're not checking over their shoulder, they're turning into pressure or turning into turnovers in bad spots, and it was happening over and over and over again. And even some of the passes they were playing, like they were trying to chip the ball to wingers into space, and they were hitting them short. I mean, it yeah. was just a really just poor off. performance overall. Very off, yeah. And, and and when the U.S. was trying to build up in possession, Panama was pretty smart. It wasn't anything super complex. They did something similar to what Canada did in the game, where Canada was, you know, really marking Tyler Adams out of the buildup in possession. Canada was doing the same thing with Acosta, right? So they're like, okay, Walker Zimmerman, okay, Mark McKenzie, you guys can have the ball. That's fine. We're not going to let you pass it to Kellen Acosta. Go somewhere else. Okay, first options to the fullback. The wingers were kind of shutting that lane down, and the eights, Musa and Legette, were not doing a good enough job of finding the space. And so Zimmerman had a, had a really good quote that I'll read part of after the game. Um, kind of about this. I'm trying to find it right now. My apologies. Um, it was a long quote, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing. But here's what he said. He said part of what we wanted to do was to get on the ball and to drive into space and to try and commit the Panama winger to either go to the outside back, so cut off that passing lane. Um, and in that case, I Walker Zimmerman can find the pocket there with the number eight. You know, he can play it vertically. Or if the winger sticks to the eight, then I can bypass him to the fullback and we can try and start a wing progression, much like we were just talking about with Canada or with Panama. But he went on. There there were a few times when the winger stayed narrow and I was able to bypass him to Shaq and we tried to go down the line. But there were fewer times that the middle opened up. I wasn't able really to find the middle. And when that was the case, we were trying to find a weak side winger for a diagonal. So, you, you know, Paul, you kept pointing this out. Zimmerman spent a lot of the first half hitting long diagonal balls to Tim Weah, mostly, or Giassi's artists that were just like Hail Marys. They had no hope. He was just like, well, I don't really have another option. Sometimes he did and he ignored it, but a lot of times he didn't. And so he was just hoofing it long and hoping. And like that, it wasn't good enough. It was just kind of basic stuff, man. It wasn't anything crazy. If I'm picking up on it, it's not that complicated. Yeah, it, it was it was a problem, and and there were just I think there were there were just no good options, right? Like the, the the whole half was being played out, and it felt like there were a couple of moments where I thought Walker Zimmerman should have just played the ball to Shaq more rather than hit that long diagonal, because you know yes the the passing lane wasn't perfect, and no he's not going to be able to take a right footed touch upfield without getting into trouble. But what he does is he just plays it back to you one time. And then you've you've maybe reset um, the defensive shape of of uh, Panama, and you hope that the yeah, eight will have opens a up. time to yeah. to get into that space centrally, right? That's what that that's what I thought the preferred decision would have been for Zimmerman. But to to his point here, you're looking at it happening. You're not the the runs aren't going to where you want them to be. The movement's not there, and so you pick your head up and you say, okay, I'm going to ping this. 70 yard diagonal to the other side yeah. into their half of the field and hope that somebody can make a play and make a difference. And, yeah, you and start pressing. Comes of it. You start forcing stuff. And and it just was indicative of the lack of movement, as as Walker Zimmerman said, and you know the the lack of composure, and 
the lack of a, of a performance. And, and he said it. He said whether that's, you know, that's something we need to take more pride in, whether that's our movement off the ball, our composure on the ball, we need to have the confidence to play. And that's something that we were not at our best at tonight. I mean, you sort of said this earlier in a way. You were kind of hinting at it. The U.S. really didn't have a lot of soccer players out there tonight. Maybe that I sounds a little like harsh. I said it like eight times on the press box. I mean, like, yeah. It yeah. Was, there was no one that was trying to play. That could that 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 is known for. I mean, Sebastian Legette theoretically, but his penchant with the national team for playing backwards. He just needs to in, be more aggressive in games where he is being asked to be the guy. It it's bad. It's it's, it's like so almost bad. like he doesn't want to accept that responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's what it and, feels and, like. And when he came in in Honduras with nothing to lose after a brutal first half, and it was hey, we got to go get it. We got to go attack. And he, like, he had to be aggressive, right? Like, then we saw it. Like, he can, he's a good technical player. He can be good. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's got to change that mindset when he gets on the field, I think. But I think it comes back again. And and I was saying about the, the soccer players, like you just said, but I think it comes back to having one of those guys on the field. Yeah. It does. Made and, by example. And I just think that that's, Something that the this U.S. team is just going to have to acknowledge, and hopefully, I know it doesn't, it hasn't happened often, but hopefully, you don't have another game where three of the five must-haves are just immediately removed from the equation. At like, you, mm-hmm. you can't even consider them. Yeah. Um, and then you're, but, but and, man, and those it's... are the two, by the way, that have had to step up over and over again. Brendan Aronson played all three games in September and and impacted all three games. Tyler Adams didn't come off the field in September. At a certain point, you need those other guys to to step up. And I'm not even going to count Christian because Christian played as much as he could and tried to play through a, a really same, clearly same messed Gio. up ankle. Gio had a hamstring issue. Yeah. Um, but has. You know, yeah. yeah has, a, has a hamstring issue. Weston, you know, obviously last window, very controllable. So this window, less this so, window, maybe, less yeah. so. Um, but I just feel like they're, you know, those are the guys right now that you, you just need, you just need a couple of them on the field at all. Yeah, times. I mean, we 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 tallied it up the other day. By the end of this window, Reina, Pulisic, and McKenney combined eighteen games that they could have been available for. They will have been available for six together the end of this window so that makes it tough but it's a team sport man other guys get to step up and even with those absences this UN's national team has the players with the profile to go into Panama and play so much better than they did tonight so much better Uh, and and I think that's where the disappointment is and look at the end of the day I look at this performance and I say the door was opened for for Luca de la Torre to get more of a run out there yeah. for Christian Roldan, even who came on as a sub and didn't do much and actually wasn't I mean, great. Matthew Hoppy, Matthew we didn't Hoppe, see him. Who, you know, yeah. you, the door was open. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and you know what door was open? The door to whatever doctor you need to get all those players into to get them on the field. But <laughs> you know, they need they need. I think that there are going to be questions. I have bigger questions now about can you trust Sebastian Legette? I don't in a big game in a big moment to 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 step into that starting job in a rotation. I don't think you can after tonight. George Bello, I don't think you can 
Um, it's time for James Sands to get a call, in my opinion. And Joe Scally. Um, or sorry, Joe Scally. Thank you. I, I think it's late, folks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think even Kellen Acosta. Like I, I, I think Kellen Acosta is a a player who is a good complementary player next to Weston and Tyler. Mm-hmm. That's a different role than being the guy in that midfield that he was today. Yep. And 100%. even for Eunice Musa, you saw the difference. Eunice starting next to Weston and Tyler. Yeah. Could play freer. He had Aronson running like crazy and Ariola all around him. He had two veteran players, veteran even though they're young. And it, it it was a different type of game. It, it it asks more, and I just don't think you can do. I think we learned about certain players that I, you just don't ask those questions of them anymore. Yeah, I think we're also one positive. I will say here, I think we've learned a little bit about Walker Zimmerman this window too, in a good way. Um, you know, is he a spectacular passer or anything like that? Like, no, but he's a good defender. He's a very good defender, good athlete, really good in the air, excellent in the air. Um, and he can do a job for this team, you know, is he your top two center back? Probably not, but he's respected. He's a captain. He's a leader and, and he's done pretty well. In my opinion, these last two games, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the SMT and we'll look ahead to Wednesday in Columbus, Ohio against Paul's beloved Ticos. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. And we are back. Final segment of this Panama edition of Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel. He is Paul Tenorio. We are talking about the USMNT's 1-0 loss in World Cup qualifying at Panama. Paul, you've said this a few times on this show about the depth and you're talking about Pulisic and Reyna and Adams and McKenney and who else? Brendan I'm forgetting. Red, sorry. Brendan, Aronson. Again. 
Brandon Aronson, yeah. And you're talking about how if some of those guys are missing, as they are right now, you know, there's a relatively significant drop, as we saw tonight, right? And both in terms of talent and skill and mentality and just kind of the overall team dynamic. And this brings me to a larger point that I don't know why I'm throwing in your lap right now, but I think it's important for USMNT fans to put in perspective while there is a lot of excitement about this generation of players and they are very talented and they are very good and they're playing at clubs that we've never seen players play at in the history of American soccer and all that's great. Like this team still isn't like a world beater. This isn't one of the top 10 teams in the world. You know, if you look at the FIFA rankings, I think they're currently in 11th, but I went through and you go through the top 25 today, they're probably in around 20 or so, right? Realistically, if you look at those teams and they can compete with teams to 15 and they'll give them a good game, but those top 15 teams in the world, they're going to be big favorites probably even against a full strength USMNT. And so I just kind of wanted to lay that out there because I feel like that, that gets lost. You know, you watch the top national teams in the world, the US is a cup below that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not me saying that this team sucks or anything like that. It doesn't. There's some good players and it's exciting what's happening, especially with the youth, and we should be excited about it. But it's important to keep in perspective, especially when you go to a place like Panama and have a performance like tonight, when you have to rely on that depth. So I don't know. Paul, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think you learned a bit about the pool. And, and I kept coming back to this when I was writing my story. Like, I understand why Greg Berhalter did it. I understand it. I get the balance yeah. that you're playing with, but also the confidence that came after the Gold Cup. They went undefeated in the Gold Cup. They won every game, not not drawing undefeated. Like, and yeah. and and that they weren't and that super was against, convincing. That was against Concacaf teams. They found yeah. a way to get results. And at and home, at home. It, it, and for me, tonight was about getting a result. That's what they were supposed to do. If they had been a mm-hmm. draw, I mean, he, Greg Berhalter said we wanted to win, but. If they had gotten a point on the road, he would have been pleased. It would have been fine. If he had rested the guys he wanted to rest, it was very clear that the emphasis was put on Costa Rica. Yes. You know, you have to protect the home games. And he said, okay, Anthony Robinson, Wes McKinney are already there resting. I, I'm, I've got guys worn down from playing in Austin. I'm going to rest them in this game. We're going to come out at home against Costa Rica flying. It was yeah. like, I don't think, I don't think you can deny that based on the rotation that happened tonight in, in Panama. But I think, you know, there has to be a reassessment of that pool. And again, to me, it opens the door for other players to try to push for those depth spots. That, that's also a good thing. Like, it's a good thing to say, yeah, we need to shouldn't see be sensed, uh, Matthew. And, and the, the, the big dilemma is that there aren't friendlies until after qualification to bring some of these new players in. But, but you have to give a chance to Chris Richards at some point because you need to see what he can do. You have to give Matthew Hoppy a chance in these qualifiers to see, can he do more than what we saw from other players, Tim Weo or... Or, or, or rolled on. Rolled on I thought that was curious that someone, he rolled on came over ahead of Hoppy. Someone to, you, know, you have to give those players a chance. You have to go bring Joe Scallion and see, can he give us depth on the left-back spot? You know, if Anthony Robinson's out and we're not going to play Serginio, you know, is he a guy who comes as a right-back because he can play both spots? And he gives you another option. Like those are questions that have to now be asked because the depth players you relied on in this game, they didn't step up. They didn't seize that moment. And 
the national team, international football, it, it's unforgiving in that way. You, you don't have enough of these opportunities in games that matter to mess around with, okay, you didn't do it in this game, well, let's try again. And, and like, I'll give you an example of that. Jackson Ewell in Nations mm-hmm. League played in the semifinal and fell flat on his face. I mean, that wasn't, Jackson Ewell had a lot of games. Yeah, but, but in right. the games that matter, they gave him that opportunity and he fell very, very flat. And you, you need to see a response where you need to see something. And McKenzie in the final, as poorly as he played in the first few minutes against Mexico, he responded and he gave you enough to bring, bring him back. Sebastian Legette, terrible against Canada, gave you something against Honduras. But tonight, I think, showed again, if you're going to play Sebastian Legette, you're bringing him on as a substitute in a game where, yeah. you know... I don't know, man. He might have played himself out of the November camp tonight. Well, for sure. I'm saying if you did, yeah. you're not... Mm-hmm. I don't think you can start him after this. And and so, for me, it's just... It sounds harsh. It's one game, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, that's, that's where we are, man. It's World Cup qualifiers. There's not a lot yeah. of wiggle room. And if we're going to be talking about U.S. not being a powerhouse, part of it is... They shouldn't be yet. It's a super young team. They're going to need time to, to grow. But part of it is you have to build that depth to a point where the level doesn't drop as much as it did tonight. And yes. so there are these players on the fringe who have this potential. Well, let's see them. You know, let, let's see them. That they've, they've now earned an opportunity based on the performances of others. And that's, that's how I feel coming off of tonight. It's, I, I would have a hard time arguing with you on that. Let's talk a little bit. You sort of mentioned it. The saving grace of, of Sunday is that there's going to be a rested first choice team against Costa Rica uh, on Wednesday night in Columbus. You know, you, you, you want to project the lineup, right? Matt Turner, Ingle, Anthony Robinson at left back, Miles Robinson and someone else at center back. Um, Serginho Dest at right back, Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney. And oof, I don't know. Maybe Luca De La Torre gets a start. Yeah. In I mean, midfield. That's what I'm talking perhaps. about. It's yeah. time to give someone else a chance. Uh Brendan Aronson, uh Ricardo Pepe, and I don't know who the other winger will be. Maybe Matthew Hoppy gets a start in Columbus. Um so a couple of spots up for grabs, but most of those guys are your first choice players in this camp. And and so that'll be good. And they'll be most of them will be rested and they should be raring to go against the Costa Rica team that just won a game. Paul came back at home against El Salvador, restore a little pride to your country. Um, for those, those of you who weren't here in Panama, I don't know why I said that. None of you were here. <laughs> it was just me and Paul and some other people. We were hanging out the other night and Paul was just ranting and raving about Costa Rica and their head coach and how it's a mess. And then they went out one tonight and, you know, a little bit of a different story heading into the game at lower.com field. Yeah. I was ranting and raving about two players in particular who I said needed <laughs> to be, um, essentially put some respect, out put some respect on, on their the, names. And, and Brian Ruiz and, and Celso Borges scored both goals tonight to give Costa Rica a couple a win. legends, so, all timers for Costa Rica, those guys. No, I, I think Costa Rica, the issue has been very similar to the U S in 2014. There's been a real struggle to turn over the roster, to trust some of these younger players in these bigger moments. And that's led to some problems. Obviously that's not the case um, tonight. Those, some of those older players did de- deliver, um, little, little magic left in those boots yet. I, I think that's that's the um, 
the risk and the reward that you'll see against Costa Rica and Columbus. The risk when you play a lot of the guys that they're choosing, a lot of the veterans they're choosing is that they're on the back end. And and just like the US in 2014, you can sometimes those veterans will do what they did against Panama and Orlando where they they played mm-hmm. to the highest peak of their potential and they score two goals and and at home and bring you back for three points from behind from a deficit, right? And sometimes they are Trinidad, where they um, they fall flat and they it, and, and it you shows never that know. you need to inject new energy. And you it, never know when it's when you're going to fall off the cliff to Trinidad. And really, in 2014 for the U.S., it was more often than not the negative than it was the positive. 18. Sorry, in 18, um, it was more often the negative than the positive. And I think that it'll be the same for Costa Rica in this window. But they do have experienced players. They do have a lot of MLS experienced players who know, you know, mm-hmm. are going to feel comfortable playing in Columbus. Who yeah. have played Luis there Diaz before. on the team. Yep. And there so you go, Columbus player. You know, there there um, there is an interesting dynamic there. And for the first time in this qualification cycle, really since the very beginning of the first game, maybe they're going to come into this with confidence. And they still have Kaylor, who can keep them in any game at any time. Yes. It's so a great equalizer it's, it's not, to have one of the world's best goalkeepers. Yeah, it's not it's not somebody you're gonna roll over. It's they're gonna make you earn it. But they haven't conceded much. Yeah, I mean, because you have Kaylor Navas in goal. I mean, yeah. he does so much for that team to keep them in games. And um so it's gonna be an interesting challenge. I'm very intrigued to see the lineup against the US and I'm very intrigued to see how confidently this team approaches the game because because again I thought you know there are certain young players haven't been getting minutes Manfred Ugalde said I'm not accepting any call-ups because the coach was criticizing his performance in the last window a young striker 19 year old striker playing in Holland right now what probably the most promising um, striker in the pool and in some time for Costa Rica so the, the federation is kind of a mess and there's all this stuff, and then boom, they get a big result, and now you're feeling yeah. differently. You're the Everybody right feels mix. good. So it's funny it's how a, it can change. It's a very this is World Cup qualifying, man. This is what we're talking about. Um, yes. So to, to step off the roller coaster here, real quick, I'll just reiterate what I said towards the top of the show. Yeah, it was a bad loss tonight. Yes, you can question Brett, Greg Berhalter and his decisions and the rotation and all of that stuff. Yes, you can criticize the players for their poor performance because they were poor. That being said. U.S. still in second place, right? Still tied for second with Panama. Are they exactly where they want to be? No. Do Does Wednesday's game become a lot bigger because of what happened in Panama tonight? 100%, right? But for now, they built up enough of a cushion in the first four games that tonight isn't the end of the world. So rest easy knowing that. And, you know, if there's another bad result on Wednesday in Columbus, then let the freak out commence, baby. But until then, I'm Sam Eastfall. Paul, you got anything else to add? Or are you you're just trying to go to bed, man? I'm Paul's trying, trying to go to bed. bed. Paul's trying to go to bed. I am too. Thanks for listening to Allocation Disorder. We'll be back on Wednesday night with a show from Columbus. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm.